Hey y'all, hey, welcome back such a ladies and I'm your host Siobhan. Thank you for coming back fam. If this is your first time tuning in, make yourself at home because you're family now. Um, <laughs> shout out to our newest such a lady, Takara. Um, sis, listen, I love y'all so much. Sis came up to me and was like, I wonder if somebody ever told her what the difference between a psychic and a spiritual healer was. And I was like, really? Like, not that you caught me out like that. And she was like, no, I was thinking like, cause like maybe she didn't know. And I was like, listen, I just appreciate you listening. I didn't say I knew everything. I just know a little bit about a lot about a little. Do that make sense? Hopefully it do. So I said, I'm gonna look it up. So I looked it up and a spiritual, a spiritual healer is more so in the realm of dealing with I get, it makes sense healing, you know, the spiritual side of things, God, you know, um, not so much as far as wealth and seeing into the future. So when I found out the difference between the two, I went and looked up Mrs. Green. If y'all looked at the previous episode, she was the, um, the spiritual healer and she was a spiritual healer and a faith counselor. So I apologize um, because after everything that she went through, I definitely don't want to add any pain or stress by calling her something that she not which is a psychic so please forgive me such a ladies but that being said I still want to know if you are or if you do dabble in you know being a psychic do you know that you finna die that I mean like that's all I want to know like if you a psychic like reach out to me because that's what I want to know now on to our next toxic love story gone wrong um oh no 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 let's get back to the basics so our winner for this week's Such a Lady Candle is Sherelle Bowen. So congratulations. So this is our fourth um, <clears throat> Such a Lady winner. And so your candles will be going out at the end of this month. Thank you guys for participating. I can't wait to get your feedback on um, how you think the candles are. I have a scent that I'm looking at for Such a Lady and I'm so super excited. And I definitely want to thank um, you well, I'm not going to say you guys, um, Miss Wendella for helping me with the such a lady, um, bit cards because I really want to get it out there. Such a lady, because I feel like our podcast is pretty cool. And so, um, maybe if you tell a friend and I tell a friend and I pass out some cards and then, you know, we get the name out there, more people listen, we can have some get togethers. I'm just, you know, thinking bigger for us. What do you guys think? You know? We're tired of thinking small. And not only that, I have so many friends who are telling me about their shows that they're coming out with, you know, their ideas, their blogs. And I'm so excited for you all. I'm so ready to support. So if there's something that you guys are sitting or waiting on, just start. Like for real, just start. It's never going to be the perfect time. You're never going to convince yourself enough to start. So just start. So let's start. All right. So um, imagine like for real, imagine you dealing with mental illness. And I know because I deal with anxiety. So I know it's not easy. People just assume that you can just get it together, like stop overthinking. But that's really not it's really not that easy. Um, And so our next um love story gone wrong one of the characters in the story one of the people um her name was marie and so marie she 
she had a lot of issues, which we all do. Let's not pretend like we all got it together because we don't. And if you do got it all together, then send me a message because I want to talk to you. Anyway, so anyway, she was diagnosed with having bipolar. And so, you know, with, with bipolar, it affects people in different ways. And so Marie had a baby girl named Paris and an ex-husband named Jeff. Now I really like the name Paris. I think Michael Jackson had a kid named Paris. I'm not sure, but I really like it when I thought about it and I switched it around in my mouth. I like Paris. So, but Marie decided that she didn't feel like at the time she was in the best position to be able to take care of Paris. So she, um, gave her to, you know, gave the custody over to her ex-husband, Jeff, which, you know, a lot of people, some people say, well, you know, if you're a real mother, you'll just stick through it. And, you know, I had to walk in 17 miles of snow in the middle of nowhere with my hat off and my ears open just to get my, and that's good. Everybody's is not the same. I commend you for being able to do that. But some people, you know, I commend them for saying, you know what, I'm not able to do that. And my child deserves better. And it sounds like that's what Marie did. She was like, look, at this time, my child deserves better and better is going to be with her dad. So that's what she did. And so she tried to, you know, start getting her life together, start trying to take her medicine on a regular. And um, sometimes that's hard. Like I be forgetting to take my blood pressure medicine and that's going to keep me alive. So, I mean, and some people are disciplined every single day. Like I give my mom her medicine and I make sure she takes her medicine. Probably no, not probably more than I take my medicine. It's so important for me, for her. But then for me, I'd be like, dang, did I take my medicine? That must be why my, my head is hurting. So, you know what I mean? And then not only that, it's the stigmatism that comes with being diagnosed with something. Because I know when I first got diagnosed, diagnosed with anxiety, I was like, "Mm," I didn't want to tell nobody. It was like the secret elephant in the room. And so I would sit in silence and that was silly, but it was because I didn't like the stigmatism that went along with it. Like even my mom was like, Siobhan, get over it. But she didn't really know what it was at the time. So I can only imagine with bipolar, with Marie, you know, she's trying to get it together. But you know, your highs are high and your lows are low. So, you know, she was this particular day, she was wandering around. She was out wandering around and her friend said that someone picked her up that day and took her to church. Now of all places, church is where she ends up at. So I don't know if Marie was like me, And she was like, oh, my goodness, this is a sign from God. I've been praying. You know what I mean? And she gets to the church and she meets James Flanders. He's the pastor of Calvary Church. And um, he seemed like a nice guy. I mean, listening to some of his sermons, just a regular, regular guy. Um, Nothing fancy about him. I mean, but, you know, he had a following to him he had the people like it was people at his church like he had a flock it wasn't like just two or three it was some folks in there and so when Marie went she was intrigued she felt like she had found her home there and you know I know that I say this all the time but Marie was absolutely beautiful she was like her eyes were um 
this shade of brown that like just looking at the pictures you get captivated in and like even her ex-husband says such beautiful things about her um and looking at some of the videos when I was doing the research he would break down like even though she had her issues everybody loved Marie she just seemed to be a genuinely good person and so when she met James Flanders and his wife Tanya Flanders I'm sure they could see that because even some of the members of the congregation were stating how beautiful she was and how um, outgoing she was and how she could light up a room. That's when I knew that this story was going to go bad. But I had seen this story a couple of times on, you know, how they switch it up and it'll be on Dateline and then it'll be on, you know, um, some other ID channel. I think the last time I saw this, it was on like Dev- Devil in Suburbia. And I was like, oh, I've seen that a couple of times. We should talk about that story. So here we are. So James and his wife, Tanya, were, um, James was the pastor. I didn't read anywhere that Tanya was a co-pastor or anything like that. I didn't ever see her getting up in front of the congregation. It kind of seemed like she was the total opposite of Marie, like where Marie was outgoing and um, she light up she would light up a room. Tanya didn't seem like she was very out, outgoing and she didn't look like the room lit up when she went into it. And I'm not being funny at all. She just didn't. I mean, just even looking at the pictures, that wasn't anything where I was like, oh, she has a glow to her. And it could just be maybe she wasn't very photogenic. I don't know. She just didn't have it. Um, but um, from everything I read, Tanya wasn't able to have children herself. So her and James struggled with miscarriages and she would say, you know, that she was getting depressed and more and more sad each time that would happen, which I could only imagine. And then you see your husband and he's flirting with these beautiful women of the congregation. And here you are, you've gained weight because you've been depressed and sad and you've had these miscarriages and you're looking at your husband being attracted to the to all these other women. I can't imagine what Tanya was going through, but um she basically, I mean, she had a good poker face because the members of the congregation they said that it seemed like she was fine. You know what I mean? She was always there. She wasn't like, you know, outgoing, but if they needed her, then they could go to her. But basically, James was the one. James was kind of like they said Marie was. He was outgoing. He was outspoken. Like he, he even had like a, um, he played the guitar and the members would get excited when he would play the guitar. So he seemed like he was a cool down to earth pastor. The, the members seemed to like him. They kept coming back to church. So that was nice. Well, anyway, so we didn't come here about him being nice. We came here because something must've happened. Right. So, um, he, James starts going around and of course him and Tanya, his wife, and then Marie start getting really, really close. Now, as the three of them are getting close, Marie is kind of pulling away from all of her other friends, like her sisters and her ex-husband, like she'll talk to them, but they could tell that there was a difference in the way that she was acting. And I don't know, I'm sure you all know, maybe you got a friend when she get with a new boo or something like that. You know, you don't hear from her as much, you know, because they out doing hood rat things with their new boo. But this, 
her friend uh, Marie's family and friends said this felt different like even though she would go off sometimes and she had done it before this wasn't Marie even though they knew Marie could sometimes not be Marie this wasn't normal for Marie but Marie had found a place she was um she had found her faith at this church and she was serving and she had even gotten so close to James and Tanya that they were helping her with her bills and she ended up moving into the house with them now mind you I'm sure the members at the church because you listen don't play if you go to church you go to serve God but you know when you see something that look kind of off and if you at one of them smaller churches you know you be saying stuff as soon as you get in the car like listen why are they all riding church together like why is she not in her own car I mean it ain't right but it's the truth so that would be me I would be like why is she, why are they all going home together like Something in that water ain't right. Like, you know, something ain't like, listen here, Pastor. I know you, y'all ain't got no van or something. Ain't nobody picking up. Y'all ain't got no church van. Is y'all, is that the only member y'all picking up? I got questions. I need answers. But that's probably why I would get kicked out of the church because, and I would definitely not be on any of the boards because I got too many questions. Okay, so they are living together. Okay, they're living together. And then, Um, they start telling people that Marie is going to be a surrogate for them. Um, Because remember, Tanya can't have any kids. So she's going to be a surrogate. But then people will also go on to say that Tanya told people that not only was um, she going to, Marie going to be a surrogate, she was pregnant by an abusive um, ex-boyfriend. And then she told people that they were going to get pregnant the old-fashioned way because they didn't have the money to um, pay for fertility. Um, So, well, you know, in vitro, where you, you know, put it in there. Listen, if I got that wrong, somebody come tell me, but I think I got that one right. So anyway, so they didn't have the money. So they were going to do it the old-fashioned way. But Tegna says the old-fashioned way is... Pastor um, James gets drunk with Marie off some um, some alcohol, but Tanya is the only sober one. Now, while she's telling this story, she's laughing, and I don't know if this is a crazy kind of laugh or a nervous, like, I don't know if I should be telling this, I'm going to go to jail kind of laugh. I wasn't sure, but <clears throat> it was a odd kind of laugh, but she was definitely in the room. So can you imagine you watching your husband in her having sex with this beautiful woman? And I'm sure they wasn't having it. No missionary. Just, you know, I'm just saying I can, I'm visual. So I'm sure they was getting out and alcohol was in the system. Like pastor was probably saying some words that was not in the Bible. And that, <laughs> but Listen, it's so Tang is over here just watching. Listen, I ain't gonna watch for too long because somebody's gonna get hit upside their head. But listen, that's they circus and they monkeys. But anyway, so Marie ends up getting pregnant. So she gets pregnant and they start calling her. Um, James starts calling her sister wife. And so Marie's friends 
start getting kind of worried. Like, you know, this is not okay. But of course, she's pregnant and she's having this baby for the pastor and his wife. And they know that she can't have a baby. So they're just telling people that, you know, the pastor and his wife have been so nice to Marie that she felt like the best thing she could do was to have a baby for them. And that's what she wanted to do. And so, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be unreasonable because she did have a baby before Paris so she could get pregnant so maybe she, and some people are like that some people are fertile and then some people are like you know I, I don't have the money to pay you back but this is what I can do so I mean it's possible that Marie said that but when you say that you're going to be a surrogate a surrogate sounds like you're carrying the baby for the mother and father when baby Grace came out Um, A lot of the members said it was very clear that the baby was not just white because (laughs) Marie wasn't white. Like she was mixed with several things. But James and his wife, Tanya, were they were white. They were they were very white. And so they were like, you know, so some of the members who probably was minding their business, staying in their lane, coming just for Jesus. They wouldn't sit next to me because I'm going to get you in trouble at church. Um they uh, were starting to put two and two together. Like, yeah, this baby ain't, this, this, this is not right. And so some members left and not only that, but, but one of the youth leaders actually went to the pastor and was like, Hey, check this out. This is not right. I'm going to have to step down if you don't um, come clean. And, and the pastor kind of felt like, he was wrong from being called out, but I feel like if you're in a church and you, you know, your salary and all of that stuff is being paid by the church and they're asking questions, then you should answer. You know what I mean? You, you owe that to your congregation, not, oh, well, this is my business. Don't worry about it. No, you and everybody else's business. You telling everybody else, you let them come tell you they stuff. Tell me your stuff. This is two way street pastor. And apparently you swerving. So let's talk. Well, anyway, he was offended. And so and so the youth pastor ended up leaving the church. Well, James didn't care because at this time, you know, sometimes I feel like people can. I think people start off with good intentions. And then sometimes, you know, it just goes bad. I don't know this man personally, so I don't know if he started out with good intentions. And then, you know, the power kind of took over who knows like I crazy I listen you can't ra- rationalize with it or you'll lose your mind so I don't know what or when things went wrong or even if he even had a heart for God when he set out but I do know that things did end up going wrong because um eventually Marie's ex-husband Jeff reported her missing now not the people that she was staying with not Grace's daddy not grace's other mama nundy they didn't they didn't report her missing it was actually her ex-husband the father of her first child paris with a cute name so he reported her missing and so the police are like well you know she's kind of went off before so this kind of sounds like something she might do so at first they didn't take it seriously and they did tell her ex-husband like listen she's an adult we can't really make people be where they don't want to be and we can't make them go where they don't want to go so let's give it a couple of days and then we'll go from there so they did that's what they did the um 
police department gave it a couple of days. They ended up going in to talk to James and Tanya, and they noticed that all of Marie's stuff was there, which would have been fine had Marie not sent a message to her ex-husband, James, Tanya, and then her other, some of her other friends saying that she had something really exciting come up, something she had been wanting to do for a while. She didn't want to tell them because she knew that she would, they would talk her out of it and that she would, she appreciated it. She loved them all and she was going to be leaving. So James and Tanya said, well, you know, that's kind of who she is. And so she left and, you know, we just figured that was what she was going to do. So we, you know, three days after she left, we took her stuff and we put it in a storage So they put it in the storage and they paid it up for a certain amount of time. And one of her friends stated that they gave them the key. They were like, hey, we put our stuff in the storage. We paid it up until this day. Y'all do what y'all gonna do. But after that, I don't know what to tell you, which I think was kind of stupid of them because as soon as the friends got a hold of the storage, they ended up taking the, you know, the keys to the police so that they can look into the storage unit. Well, a lot of the a lot of Marie's favorite things were there. Plus she had a thousand dollars in her account that she had been saving. So if you're going to save this money and then also you're not spending it because you know, they're tracking her cards, their, you know, her phone, all of this. So they find out that she's not spending money. She's not, you, you know, she has this money in her account. She left all her favorite things there, but she left. That just doesn't make sense. Even if you're going to leave, you're not going to leave broke. I mean, you're not going to get too far unless you got a sugar daddy, but that wasn't, that wasn't the case here. So after James and Tanya are spoken to by the police, then they decide they're going to go looking for, you know, they're going to go look for Marie because they're worried now. So they go and then you should hear Tanya. She's like, and we were the ones that found her car at the airport because they they said they were up all night looking for her and they ended up finding her car at the airport. And so the police, you know, they do their their due diligence and they find out that although her car was at the airport, she never booked a flight. She never was seen on a flight. She never was seen at the airport. So basically her car was just there. That was it. That was all. So her car's at the airport. She has money in her account and she left all her stuff there. So they bring Tanya in and they are talking to her. And you can definitely tell that she is going to go to the end of the world for her husband. Like she's telling um, the police that, you know, that everything was great with Marie and that they had this great relationship and everything was fine and that, you know, they what ended up happening was she could tell that Marie was kind of down the day that she disappeared and she tried to cheer up, but she couldn't get her to cheer up. And James decided he was going to go for a run. So she took Grace um, and they went Christmas shopping. Well, when they got back from Christmas shopping, then Marie was gone. And so they just figured that she, you know, was just on one of her tangents. And then they got the text message. And so then they decided that she was gone and they were going to let her do her thing. Eventually she'd come back. Maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't. But they were going to take care of Grace. Well, what ends up happening is that they try to get a hold of James and they can't get a hold of him. So three days later, James... Tanya and then baby Grace all pack up and they leave. The police don't know where they're at. 
the house is, is, you know, left and they're just gone. Well, coming to find out, they end up moving to um, Arizona. And then James decides that he wants to file for custody of baby Grace because he's stating that Marie has abandoned the baby. Her whereabouts are unknown and he feels like he is in his best interest to get custody of baby Grace. Um, So he's granted custody. Well, of course, the police don't know at this time that, and the judge, of course, that they're granting custody to a murderer. They don't know that. So baby Grace is, you know, being raised by James and her new mommy, Tanya. And so they're in Tucson and, um, and this case goes cold. I'm talking ice cold. Like it's because they don't have enough evidence or anything like that. So one day the sister, she's working in the bar and she says she overhears someone talking about Marie and her being buried in the backyard. But by the time she gets there, she can't find out who it is. So she doesn't know who said it. She doesn't know if it's true or not. But after that said, there's a there's a tip that comes into Crime Stoppers. Well, that tip that comes in leads them to go look in the backyard. Well, it gives them enough evidence to go get a warrant to look in the backyard of the house that James and Tanya used to have shared together with Marie before they moved to Arizona. So they look in the backyard. They get this search warrant, everything nothing's back there so it's like okay where's my sister at is she really gone is she dead I don't know what's going on and so uh, I don't know if you all watch Cold Case if y'all watch Law and Order um it's it's by Dick Wolf and so what they do is they go in and they look at cases that have been cold for a very very long time and this was one of the cases that they picked up it's a pretty cool show I like it y'all should check it out if y'all have it but um she um they picked up the case and when they picked up the case they started interviewing some of the old members of the congregation and there was this thing called the inner circle now the inner circle i guess only included james tanya and the people who worked in the office but apparently all of those people knew that james was having sex with um marie and apparently it was a it was a polygamy relationship. So I I really couldn't find out how um, Tanya was involved. She didn't even really say how she was, except for her watching and her calling her her sister wife and stuff like that. I really think James was just hitting it. I'm just being honest. I don't think that he was hitting his wife too. I mean, and I also think that Tanya was probably kind of jealous. I mean, you got your husband having sex with this beauty I, I would feel some type of way intimidated maybe I don't know what like ready to kill somebody I don't know I just would feel some type of way but they found out that she was sleeping it was more than just a surrogate relationship and then text messages came up where James was telling her that he couldn't wait to see her at church and lick her lips like inappropriate stuff that he shouldn't have been sending her and so they the cold case team 
they really get together. And, you know, a lot of times you might not have all the evidence, but if you get enough little pieces and you build a house, then you can take that to court. And, you know, it's circumstantial. So they have all this circumstantial evidence um, against James. And so they go see him in Arizona. And old Pastor James ain't Pastor James no more. He didn't have to step down because he did have a church where he opened up in Arizona. But yeah, they had him step down. So when he was arrested on TV, he didn't look like Pastor James. He looked like a defeated man. And so when they talked to him, he decided, um, to take a plea because the death penalty was on the table. And, um, and before they could take the plea, of course, they had to talk to the family. The family wanted to know where her body was at. And I mean, I, I, I can't say that I wouldn't either. I would want to bring my loved one home. I wouldn't always want to know like where they at or be wondering. I would want to bring my loved one home and be able to, um, put them at rest. And that's what, and that's what, um, Marie's family wanted to do. And so they decided that they would, um, accept a plea. And so James decided that he was going to, um, plead to manslaughter and he would tell them where the body was. Now the body ended up being in the backyard but it was in a shed in the backyard. It was, and so when he went, now this, listen, so he gonna tell these people he, he, sorry guys, he's gonna tell these people that he needs a minute. And when he gets a minute, he like breaks down, he's crying. Like he's really putting on the show, y'all. This has to be the best performance of his life. And I'm like, where was all these tears at when you was burying this girl or when y'all up and left? Or when you killed her, because he said what happened was they got into an argument um, that morning. She woke up and she was in a bad mood. Mind you, listen how it's always somebody else's fault. She woke up and she was in a bad mood and she started an argument and they got into it. And he was holding her and I guess it was a bear hug and they fell over. And I guess he was holding her so tight when he went to roll her over, she wasn't moving. And so then at that time, he he cried and he was distraught. And, you know, you, you know, he got to put on the show and tell people, you know, make it seem like he didn't mean to really kill her. Um, but he did. And then he put her in the shed and then he buried her. But what was crazy about it is that he buried her so deep that the um, technology that they were using when they were looking for her, couldn't see her. So had James never, you know, been caught, then this really could have been a case that never got solved. Um, But because the cold case team were, you know, they were like, listen, this is important. Like Paris needs to know where her mom is at. Grace needs to know where her mom, her real mom is at. And they worked on it. They did a really, really good job. And, um, Marie's family was able to put her to rest. And what was so crazy, though, is so after that happened, Marie's sister petitioned the court for custody of Grace. Because, like, what what are we doing here? Her, her dad's in jail. This lady is not her mom. And they actually were going to court about it. And James was in court. I mean, he was in jail from behind jail. He was trying to fight it, stating that, well, before... They knew he went to jail. He was given custody. And I i mean, this says a lot about Marie's family. They 
ended up dropping the case. They dropped it and they said that they didn't want to go through all of that. And so there was a mediation that was made and now Tanya Flanders, Tanya Flanders, I, I was almost going to make it through her without messing somebody's name up. I just, I, y'all pray for me. So Tanya has custody of Grace and um, Marie's family has it set up where they are able to see her. And when you're, when you're, when I was doing the research and stuff like that, her sisters, I didn't see anything where they said anything bad about Tanya. They never said that it, that she did anything wrong, but I believe, and even the detectives believe that Tanya knew a lot more than what she said. You know what I mean? How does your husband kill somebody and move a body and y'all just up? You ain't asking no questions because I got, where's Marie at? Where's this baby's mama at? When is she coming to get this baby? This baby's crying. Like, I, <laughs> he might kill me because I got so many questions. I, I promise. He going to get sick of me. He probably going to kill me too because I'm just not going to be able to be quiet. That I can't just be that, that, that. Bonnie and Clyde shit because I got too many questions. He gonna be like, can you sit back? I'm gonna be like, no, I can't. I can sit up and ask the rest of these questions. And so I feel like she knew more than what she was saying. But um, I tried to look up, you know, what she was doing now because I'm nosy. And um, she's living a quiet life, taking care of Grace. And I don't see her on social media. That, And I'm sure she is staying pretty low profile because, you know, you don't want to go anywhere and tell people that, you know, your husband was arrested for killing, you know, y'all sister wife. You don't want to do that. But, you know, listening to the story, I'm curious, do you all think that Tanya had more to do with um, the story than she said? I absolutely do. But I would love to meet you guys over at Such a Lady 30. And on Facebook so that we can talk about it. And also thank you guys for sending me the stories. It's not that I haven't looked into them because I promise you I have. It's just that I don't want to do a story without being prepared and getting all the information. So please don't think that when you're sending me stuff that I'm not paying attention because I am. You guys don't forget to be great on purpose and don't forget to just start. I love you guys. And if you are in a toxic relationship, remember you do not need a reason. If you need a sign, this is it. Get out. Don't be a story that I that we listen to on such a lady. Okay? All right. Go be great on purpose. Love you guys. Bye.